You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA the NFL and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson joining you on this Friday, and I'm joined by my panel from the mean streets of Cotswold, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. What's happening, Doug? It's All-Star Friday. Yeah, if you haven't listened to our All-Star preview that we did on Thursday, go back and listen to that one. That was a fun one because we've been joined basically all week by our friend Nada Edwards, writer for Uproxx. Nada, you've got a big article out right now. Yeah, again, a little something about a guy that the Charlotte Hornets could have had that a lot of people seem oh. can't let go. Oh. Like Again, <laughs> y'all like torturing yourselves with that. I don't understand why. Well, so would you like to talk about that first, your article on Donovan Mitchell, or should we get to the recommendations that we have for people that are non-basketball? Most of this show is going to be non-basketball related. I just want to prepare yeah people for we that can, right now. you know we can get into this right now because let's again, do that yeah let's do the basketball first for the people that come here expecting basketball and then if you want to stick way. around for our recommendations of what to do now that basketball is going to take a little bit of a break you know we've got some books we've got some tv we've got some uh, music maybe for you to listen to but let's get to the basketball first so you did an article on donovan mitchell utah jazz rookie could have been a denver nuggets rookie could have been a Miami Heat rookie, could have been a Detroit Pistons rookie, could have been a Charlotte Hornets rookie, could be rookie of the year. What did you find out from Donovan Mitchell? The big thing um, that I, I guess I found very interesting is when he says, "Did when I asked him basically, did he see his success coming? And he brings up the fact that in the first couple of games, he was kind of scuffling. He didn't really see any of this coming. A lot of this was due to vet help and a lot of things, a lot of different factors. And which is why we, which is why, and I know I've tweeted this out before, why I don't necessarily think that Mitchell would have been as effective here because the circumstances were different. The, I, the objective was completely different for Utah. Utah thought, okay, we need to fill this giant gaping hole left by Gordon Hayward's absence and we're just going to do it by committee. We're going to share the ball. We're going to be youth focused for the most part. And we'll see what happens. And it just so happens that now they're in a playoff race for the eight socks, eight slot. Whereas Charlotte, again, the Hornets were completely different. This was a playoffs or bust or first round, or at least a, one round in the playoffs. And then we'll see where we go from there. I, it's completely different circumstances where, again, as, as is mentioned in the piece, he didn't see this coming. Nobody saw the success of Donovan Mitchell coming. And if they did, he wouldn't have lasted as long as he did. Yeah, first three games, he was uh, first game three of 11 from the field, then one of seven from the field, then one of seven from the field. He was 0 of 7 from beyond the arc in those first three games and scored two points in two of those. So, yeah, not an inauspicious start. For Donovan Mitchell early on. Yeah, he's, yeah, that quickly was, joining, he's quickly joining the ranks of Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo of guys that really 
they liked these guys, right? Like the, they were drafted them for a reason. They were on their board for a reason, but by no means did they see them becoming this talented, this skilled, especially offensively, being able to take over games like they have so fast. I mean, and you're right now to like the Jazz didn't think this. The Hornets didn't think this. Donovan Mitchell didn't think this. And like we said a little bit before the show, none of this was on tape. Like this efficiency, the ability to score like this was not on tape at Louisville last year. It was a matter of fact, you know, when he was coming out, some of the concerns were he took over a bit too much, like got a bit too crazy, went into the lane a bit too much and couldn't finish. So, I mean, he definitely put in a lot of work in the offseason, improved that shot, and they force-fed him. I mean, Doug, you said they, they, they needed a replacement, or maybe you just said it not. They needed a replacement for Gordon Hayward, and, and they took a shot saying, well, let's get this guy, and maybe he can eventually be groomed into that replacement. But this is uh, was certainly unexpected by everyone. Exactly. And more importantly, we keep forgetting that Dante, this might have been Dante Exum's coming out party if he didn't get hurt. That's the other thing to this, is that Dante Exum got, getting hurt open this opportunity for him to take over. And with that, and with the style that Quinsot Snyder runs, and the fact that there are multiple floor spacers on that team in, in Rodney Hood, who's now gone, and you had Joe Ingles that, that's known to bury you from that corner three. And Favors can hit shots from that corner as well. You have floor spacers. Rubio's improved his jumper. Yeah. Like, you have a lot more floor spacers on that floor. And more importantly, like you said earlier, David – we didn't see any of this improved jumper on tape. In fact, I believe it's the draft special. Me and you talked about this where I wasn't the one reason I wasn't so like bullish on him was the fact that his jumper didn't look good. And it didn't look like it was going to translate to the NBA level, at least not yet. And it would be another project a la Kemba Walker, where again, three years, four years into the league. Okay. Yeah. Then you go from there, his jumper would be fine. But three, four years with a guy with, with an undersized two guard that couldn't shoot, that would just be another problem. All right, Nada, give me one more morsel. Give me one more teaser of what you found out from Donovan Mitchell in this article. Uh, one one big thing that he does, again, he does acknowledge is that Rodney Hood helped him out a lot. Between Rodney Hood and Quinn Snyder, they both helped him out a lot. A big thing about it, was the fact that there again Rodney Hood would come up would basically correct him on the side, give him the proper terminology, and where Quinn Snyder does a big solid for him is that they, he talks about improving his pick and roll, it, uh, improving on the pick and roll on offense, where he was just looking to just drive to the basket when when the season first started. Now he's looking to penetrate and distribute. And he's, they're adding slowly adding more and more facets to his game now that they know what he can really do. And that's the big thing is once you figure out what you can or cannot do with a certain rookie, then you can start expanding. Unfortunately, and I have to bring this back to Monk a little bit. We still don't fully know what he can do yet. And until we fully know what he can do, what he can, cannot do and start ac- accentuating those strengths, then we can move forward with that. Maybe we can let the monk, we should have had Mitchell thing die. You heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen, from Nada Edwards of Uproxx, Donovan Mitchell heading for a fall now that Rodney Hood has been <laughs> traded from the Utah Jazz. Go ahead and tweet at Nada the Scribe that, that that's what you heard on this show, that Donovan hey, Mitchell. Please don't. 
hey, I don't hey, feel like blocking people. <laughs> hey, hey, Doug and Nada, I want to I want to ask you guys a question because I've gotten this, you know, as Donovan Mitchell's blown up and, and and the Hornets have gone how they have. I've gotten this question a lot. Would have Donovan would Donovan and Mitchell, sorry, would Donovan Mitchell have had oh my gosh, I'm gonna get this out. We're gonna do this, guys. Would he have been able to have the same impact? Would he have played if he's in Charlotte, right? Yes. Right, exactly. That's that's my answer because he would have had the opportunity because Monk and Bacon had the opportunity. Those minutes would have presumably gone to Donovan Mitchell. And he would have eventually hit shots, hit open shots. Well, he would have been able to score. He's not getting 28 shots a night now. That's what he got the other night. He's not getting 28 shots a night in Charlotte, I don't think. Would he have had a Rodney Hood? No. No, I, the one thing is this is a veteran. The reason I say that is because this is a more veteran team than the Utah Jazz that were. You know, the Utah Jazz weren't really expecting to be playoff contenders. I don't think after losing Gordon no. Hayward, no uh, the Hornets were focused on. That's the thing. I, I'm not sure that the Hornets were really focused on those veterans that are that are in that starting lineup uh, are really focused on making Malik Monk better. And they're focused on winning basketball games and making themselves better. Yeah, that's the big thing. And I don't think there's a guy. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not sure that, again, because the one thing I think about is that the fact that Jeremy Lamb exploded like he did, like that he had that great summer, it took a lot of the onus on, okay, we may have to rely on Monk to carry this bench to, okay, Jeremy's finally taking that next step. And you got to think Lamb had Kemba. Yeah, you know, right. Lamb and Kemba were extremely tight going back to their days at UConn. So they he had that support system where there is a guy on the team that you can kind of look to, and whenever they're in the locker room, those guys are they're they're attached to the hip. I mean they they run together. So like, yeah, but would I, I would, think- would Donovan ha- have had that guy in the Hornets locker room like he had with would he have have had that relationship well, I, like he had with Rodney Hood? Maybe uh, maybe yeah, I maybe mean, not. I think you- uh, yeah, so he would have been fine. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing from Donovan. He's a pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty stable guy. But I just think situationally, you know, the fit has so much to do with these guys and the success they have. And we've talked about it a lot. Like Monk, this is basically worst case scenario as far as ideal situation for him being forced to play the point guard, being relied on that early. And for Donovan Mitchell, who was ready for it, to his credit, being force fed the ball and just being given free reign to do what he did at Louisville, which was the same thing. I mean, he was asked to score at Louisville, and that just translated it over to the pros. Now, he was able to perform, but uh, a much different situation, and and not as you learned when you talked to him. You know, it didn't start right at first, and he didn't expect it, but, man, he's really taken off. All right, go exactly. read. It's go, all about luck and opportunity. Yeah, go read the article on UpRox. Uh, follow Nada on Twitter, at Nada the Scribe, and read the article, and then retweet the article and share it with people. It's all about Donovan Mitchell. Really great stuff. Okay, enough basketball. Now it's time to tell you uh, what we're going to recommend things to do while basketball takes a break. We do this every once in a while, normally over the summer, but we're bringing it back for the All-Star break. We call we call this segment, Go Do This. So, Nadia, you want to kick this off? What do people need to go do right now that basketball is on a hiatus? First things first. Granted, the special came out on Wednesday, but first things first, you got to watch Chris Rock tambourine. It's hilarious. It's basically Chris Rock at his best. And I'm I like I said, I've seen it a couple of times. It's pretty dope. Next thing, if you haven't seen Black Panther yet, 
see it before everybody spoils it on Monday. Again, if you have to mute the hashtag until you finally see it, see it then. But again, it's those two. I would probably recommend reading a couple of books. Jonathan Abrams has one on the wire, Mm -hmm. which I could not recommend any higher. It brings everything into context. And granted, I, I, again, if this is if you're a wire fan like I am, this is required reading. This is absolutely required reading. I think it has some quotes from the late Reg E. Kathy in it. I haven't gotten that far in the book, but I would tell you those three things you absolutely need to do while basketball is on hiatus. If not, throw and let me throw one more in. If you do not own a Marvel Unlimited Scholar, uh, basically subscription own one it's worth it it's worth the it's worth the ten dollars a month you get all the books you want and i again it that's my that's my little like you know how doug you are the again you are a 57 year old man that likes sleep Mm -hmm. listening to audiobooks (laughs) Mm -hmm. i am again there part there's part of me that's like a 14 year old kid that loves reading tons and tons of comic books could not recommend a scholar uh, a subscription to marvel unlimited more in fact i have the audiobook of Jonathan Abrams book, all the pieces matter. The inside story of the wire. It will be my, Ooh, it's going to be friend my, of the show. Jonathan Abrams. Yeah, he's, of the show. he's been on the show. He had that excellent book about uh, going from high school to the NBA. Uh, we, we interviewed him for that. He's a local. I think he's still local. I think he still lives around here. Yeah. I believe he still lives around here. Yeah. So uh, first thing you need to do is watch all of the wire in one weekend, then apologize to your family, then read the book. Uh, I'm yeah, so I'm gonna listen to the book on Audible uh, because that's that's how I roll these days. I don't have time to read books. I'm a slow reader. I just uh, pop it in the ear. I'm on my well, way. Come on now. With, with as as good as the Kindle app has been to me, it is one of those things that I absolutely suggest you do. I'm a slow. I'm a slow, slow reader. I'm a fast writer. I'm a slow reader. So Audible has been. Uh, this is not an ad. Audible does not advertise with us i just i just really like their service uh david what you got for us go do this yes i have two recommendations that are not recent at all uh these are historical well not not too historical one is go and watch er (laughs) i have fallen (laughs) wow yeah i have fallen back into watching this classic television drama and let me tell you something it is gripping there's uh i think i counted up yesterday 35 seasons so i think it's still going um, but no, it's it, not. No, it's over. It's over. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just looked at how I, I watched like two or three episodes and I was like, oh, I wonder how long it would take to watch all of these. And apparently I think it'll take as long as, uh, until my kids go to college cause they go deep, but, uh, it, it's, it's a fun watch. There's a lot, there's a good article this week, actually, Alan Seppenwall wrote about with all the peak TV out there right now, it's still okay to go back and watch some of these classics. So if you're going to pick one and you're in need of a medical drama, you can never go wrong with with ER. So I was that that's fellow Uprocks writer Alan Seppenwall. I would just add. that you guys. That's right. That's right. You guys see each other in the break room. You guys coffee buddies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 occasionally send each other messages on Slack. You know, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I know you like a good medical drama. Have you watched ER? No. I haven't. I do like a good Wait, medical what? drama. I was a big House fan. Um, Katie got me into producer. Katie got me into uh, Grey's Anatomy. So yeah, I do. I just ER was I was a little too young for ER to be perfectly honest. Go back and watch it. Okay, that's fine. I will. But I gotta I gotta finish Frasier first. <laughs> I got a lot of '90s TV to get through, and yeah. uh, I, I'll say this: 
uh, this is a beautiful time to be alive for for the for us, the people that are our age, because we're getting everything is catered to us right now. We got to embrace this time because it really won't happen again. I, I joke that I'm that I act like a 57 year old man, but this time won't happen again until we actually are are like 60 years old and CBS starts uh, bringing our shows back to life again, like they're doing with Magnum PI and Hawaii Five O. Like we won't get this again, you know, for Murphy another Brown. for another twenty years. Yeah, just bring them all back. Bring them. I'm just waiting for the proper Night Rider re- reboot. That's all. Oh my God, do you remember that one? I'm sure you do. Oh yeah, I absolutely remember oh. that. I have I have them on DVD though. That's the thing. All right, here am I. Go do this is first. Go listen to Lavar Burton reads. It's in season two. It's a podcast where Lavar Burton of Star Trek and reading Rainbow fame. Basically, he just reads you amazing short stories. And if you're a sci-fi fan, uh, LeVar Burden is, uh, you know, a sci-fi fan as well. Uh, he just he wasn't on Star Trek just to be on Star Trek. He's a big sci-fi fan. And so he picks a lot of sci-fi short stories and reads them uh, and, and advertises for Audible. So <laughs> there's the connection there. Uh, I have a do not do this, an anti-go-do-this. Do not go and show your significant other Black Mirror if they are sensitive to dark things, this oh black God. this black you mirror. You got to specify that. You got to yeah, specify. You got to let us know about this. this I want to hear. Well, this black. So there's a show on Netflix called Black Mirror. Oh, the episode. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm getting there, but I have to explain to people who've never seen this show. So this show is like, it's like Twilight Zone. The digital age meets the worst scenes of Game of Thrones in terms of the way that it plays with your emotions. But it's, yeah, it's Twilight Zone, but it's made for the 22nd century. And it's, it's all about how, you know, future technology is dangerous and et cetera, et cetera. And, and every episode is different. So if you're a sci-fi geek, if you're a, uh, you know, a dark TV show kind of satire geek, uh, then you'll love this show. Um, but you really do have to kind of be mentally prepared for it because even me, like I, I feel I, I love dark comedies. I love, uh, you know, things that that get a little, uh, that that are that are heady, you know. Um, but even me, like some of these episodes are leaving me like staring at the television, going like, "What the hell did I just watch?" And so you've watched more than just that one. Yes, I've seen a few of the episodes. Okay. I've seen a few of the okay. episodes. Okay, and I and I'm not going in any order. I'm just kind of bouncing around. If something looks interesting to me, then I watch mm-hmm. it because again, there's no. Every episode is different. It's just a story with different actors. Uh, So anyway, I decided to show this to producer Katie. And producer Katie is a little bit more sensitive. She doesn't like dark things. She's very, she's got a lot of hope and she doesn't watch the Hornets as much as I do. She has a lot of hope and, (laughs) uh, you know, she she believes the future is bright, right? So, um, yeah, so I showed her an episode I I don't I don't want to give away too much about the episode. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But but essentially, uh, there's just a lot of murder. There's just there's an abundance of fatalities in this episode, and it's presented in a very brutal and unrelenting way. And after it, uh, she was she was very upset with me mainly for showing it to her. <laughs> And I didn't realize That's why you screen every episode that you decide to show your wife. Well, so. yeah, and listen, I think again, I just want to say like I was disturbed by it too, but it, but it, in I a way that um, yeah, it's it's a really tough episode, but um, I I'm just I guess just having watched. Oh, here's the thing. So I thought about this a little bit because you know 
I quit Game of Thrones because I thought it was too dark. Like I quit Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Be- oh my and God. we've had this discussion on the show before, but I quit Game of Thrones because not only was it too dark, but there was no point to the darkness. Like it got to a certain point in the series where even if the good guys were to win, it wouldn't matter. Like that's how it wasn't only dark, it was hopeless. And there was yeah. no point to the darkness. There was no lesson to be learned other than humans are terrible and they do terrible things to each other. That was the only lesson, but like, yeah, like, okay, that's not a lesson. I know that like uh, you, the, the whole of human history is a, is a lesson in that. How'd so, you get through the wire? Why do you like Westworld? I don't know. I, there's certain, there's certain, maybe because those are, here's, you know, I'll tell you why you're getting, you're, let me get to the, to no, no let me get to the lesson here because it's the reason why I like black mirror is because mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a point. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's a real lesson to be learned. There are lessons to be learned from both Westworld and The Wire and Black Mirror that were not that are not present in Game of Thrones where they're just like listen, everything is awful and it's never going to get better. I think as 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 hopeless as some of the events that happen in The Wire, there still is a sense that that David Simon is saying like there's there are answers if you will see them, and so anyway, very true, very true. So that's why I, I think that's why I gravitate towards Black Mirror, and I can take some of the dark because I go listen. There's a lesson to be learned, but I I totally understand people who watch episodes of 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 that kind of violence who are like, okay, I just can't, I can't do this. I would say that's one of the more violent ones and unnecessarily so that I've seen and I've seen them all. So yeah, you picked this. That was just a, 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 a tough one for producer Katie. To like see. I watched I mean, the star I, Trek episode, the star Trek parody episode. I love that one. Some people that one is like awesome. It. It's good. It. It's good. But again, it is, it is unrelenting in, in some of the themes that it goes with and how dark that main character is. Yeah. And the links that he goes to, to assert his power. Yeah, very, Jesse Plemons is very uh, that that one really is good. very Man, very creepy. Could you like I remember Jesse Plemons in Friday Night Lights as Lance yeah. Landry. And Landry wasn't all that good. Remember, season two happened. He was a mass murderer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he should have been in the episode that I, that Katie couldn't watch. But he still graduated, so good for him. But, but he was also uh, what was his name on uh, Breaking Bad? Um, Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, it was also in Fargo, which is another dark comedy. I'm yeah, just saying, like Fargo Jesse Plemons has had yeah. a very interesting arc. And as it all an started when he when he was a high school murderer. mass murderer. Yeah. All right, here's something so. lighter to do. This is my final go. Do this. Go watch. This is also on Netflix. Go watch a futile and stupid gesture. Mm. It's a biopic. Oh, yeah. Biopic. Biopic. I've never yeah. biopic. Biopic. We're sure it's biopic. Yeah, I'm very sure it's biopic. All right, biopic of the creator of the National Lampoon magazine and the man behind Animal House and Caddyshack, and he's played by Will Forte. Great movie. All of the uh, comedians that come out to play other classic comedians is really fun, including Joel McHale as Chevy Chase, both those guys in Community, so that's kind of a fun thing. It's made by David Wayan of Wet Hot American Summer fame. I think it's very weird in a good way. It kind of represents sort of the 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 theme of 
National Lampoon and how weird it was. And it's full of energy. It tells a story in a really unique way. And it has an ending that you probably don't expect because you don't know a lot about the guys that were behind National Lampoon's. Uh, so check it out. That's a good one, too. Yeah, I de- Question, I def- is it weirder than The Sopranos ending? <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's not weird in that way. It's just, it's just unexpected because again, it's, it's unexpected in the way that like, unless you've Wikipedia the history behind national lampoons and the people that created it, you would not know how this movie ends. And then when it yeah, does, you're not. like, and then when it does, you're like, huh? Huh? Nada. You know, who plays Belushi in this. Who? Bevers. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> And the guy, okay, I, yeah. I don't know the guy who plays Bill Murray, but it's, he does um, a fantastic yeah. Bill Murray. Yeah, you kind of recognize all these people, but like you can't put your finger on. I, I can't remember where I've seen that guy before, but yeah, I don't have a recall. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to end up watching it this weekend. I'm it's probably going to end up watching it this weekend at some point, though. It's a really, really good film. Uh, so uh, check that out. And that's really all I have for Go Do This. Uh, so enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of All-Star Weekend. Go back and listen to our All-Star preview that we did on Thursday. And thank you, as always, for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Special thanks for uh, to Nada Edwards, who uh, joined us uh, for three straight days. Very, very invigorating work that you've done, Nada, and I really appreciate it. No problem. I mean, that brings up my total show count up for this year to six, right? Oh, yes. Finally, we're just can, can he get to double digits? That's the storyline. They talk about you know. Listen, this show we've got we got a we're looking for storylines for the Charlotte Hornets the rest of the way as they probably look to develop uh, young talent, and we are looking for storylines as well. So will Nada get to ten? Will he get to double digits before uh, the end of the season? You have yeah, to we'll tune, see. You have to tune in to find out. All right, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We're back next week for more analysis of your Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. For David and Nada, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.